started here. Good morning. Good to see all of you here. We made it through almost half of the semester here. We get to the end of the week. And we'll have midterms after break, but uh, actually, in class time, half the semester is about done. So, just echoing what Mr. McNair said, you only got about two months left after break. You only got about two months left after break. And then you're done, and your living education experience is over. So, as Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau, an early American writer, put it when he was writing on Walden Pond, we have to learn to suck the marrow out of life. And you want to suck the marrow out of this experience as much as you can. All right, let's jump in here. Today I'd like to talk to you a bit about resume writing. And what I wanted to do is give a, a really practical, tangible presentation to you today. You all have resumes. You had to write one to give to us to come here. <clears throat> For some of you, it may have been the first resume you ever put together. For some of you, you may have been tweaking a resume. But resumes are really important when we begin looking for jobs and looking for work opportunities. And there are good resumes, resumes that are well done, well written, uh, salient, they have all the information that's needed, they present really well, and then there are other resumes. And in a hiring position, hiring situation, a lot of resumes are sort of ho-hum. They're okay, they don't jump to the top of the pile. And if you do a resume correctly, it can be one of those that will leap to the top of the pile. It'll set you above your competition. And you know, in all honesty, when we think about looking for jobs, we are typically applying for job opportunities that other people are applying for too. And so you don't want to step on other people trying to get a job, but the reality is you need to be, if you're going to be hired, you need to be more interesting um, in a better potential hire. You need to look better than the other, other guy or other gal. That's just the reality because there's competition for jobs. And so we're going to talk about some strategies today in putting together a, a really good resume. <clears throat> a very strong resume. I'm going to give you some quotes to begin with, and then we'll, I'll get you actually helping me a little bit. Um, here's a quote, uh, and this is probably not what we want our resumes to be. A resume is a written exaggeration of only the good things a person has done in the past, as well as a wish list of the qualities a person would like to have. Uh, I don't know what your experiences with resume writing are, but I've met people that are this way. They'll use a resume to exaggerate their qualities and to put on there, you know what, I'd really like to be like. And that's, that's not where we want to come from with a resume, and obviously not from a Christian perspective, right? Because what, what, are we, what commandment are we breaking when we begin exaggerating beyond what, it, what is truth? John? Lying? Yeah, and that's definitely something we don't want to do. But it's something that many in the world don't have a real big issue with. <clears throat> a couple other <clears throat> quotes here. I always encourage people to learn the basics 
and nail down the basics. Talking about within a resume here. Take the time to customize your resume. I'm going to come back to that and your cover letter to reflect your qualifications, your research on a specific company and position, and how you believe you add value to the company. Come back to that. <clears throat> if you call, I like this, this idea as well, if you call failures experiments, you can put them in your resume and claim them as achievements. Now, you don't want to put a whole bunch of failures on your resume, but sometimes you can have Experiences. What would be an example of a of a failure that you might want to report on a resume? Any ideas? Yeah, you Perhaps starting trying to start a business, but prior to not getting on your feet, the benefit of experience and you learn a lot through what you mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. For someone who is working in business, maybe maybe you've tried to start a business a couple of times and it's failed, and then the third time it worked and it lasted for several years until you sold it. Um, those initial starts are or attempts show that, hey, there's a track record, there's a stick-to-itiveness. Think about the character traits that are told by the story of a couple of failures, but then a success. Uh, a person's willing to try new things, maybe try the same product or the same company, but tweaking it a little bit, tweaking the business model, taking a little bit different approach. And sometimes those failures can actually tell a future employer some good things. A couple other quotes here. Emphasize your strengths on your resume and your cover letter and in your interviews. It may sound obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people simply list everything they've ever done. Convey your, pa your passion and link your strengths to measurable results. We'll come back to that point as well. Employers and interviewers love concrete data. Talk about concrete data. Actually, what is concrete data in a resume? What would be an example of concrete data in a resume? Uh, would references be concrete data? Um, no, not quite, but good thought. Um, for example, if you were a sales representative, you could say, I was able in this amount of time to do this many sales and um, list of basically specifics on your achievements and your success in the field. Yes, yeah, um, I was a salesperson and I was responsible for generating, I don't know, a million dollars a quarter in, in sales. Um, maybe I was a manager and I managed a team of 25 people. Um, maybe as a, a director, I managed a budget of $150,000, those types of things. Uh, maybe I started my own business, lawn business, a couple of you have done that, and I had 12 clients. S something like that, you're actually giving hard, fast numbers. <clears throat> and, and data speaks, data says something to the people that are reading. As opposed to, I had a lawn business with clients, no, I had a lawn business with, what, 10 clients, 20 clients. There's a difference. As opposed to, I've got babysitting experience. Well, I babysat 50 kids between the ages of two months and 12 years. You see how it gives you a little bit different picture, a deeper picture? Uh, it's one thing uh, to babysit 
a bunch of infants. It's another thing to babysit toddlers. It's another thing to babysit 10-year-olds. They, they all have different demands. And so when someone's reading your resume and looking at your background, one of those pieces of information shares more information than the next. Okay. Another final quote here, uh, actually somebody we are familiar with. And actually good advice. Um, she mentions that a word of advice, or here's a word of advice, your interview is about you. You as a person. It's not about the school you went to, what you majored in, what your GPA was, or who your parents happened to be, or no. Most of that stuff is right on your resume. And it might even have gotten you into the room, but it won't get you much further. And so when you get to that job interview, you don't have to rehash what's on your resume. They probably have it right in front of them with notes on it, if you get to the point of an interview. They want to know about you, your person, your personality, your character, those types of things. All right. <clears throat> Why is a good resume so important? It can help sell the fact whether you uh, get to the point of an interview or not. Okay, it can help determine whether you get to an interview or not. John? It's the first impression that would the employers give you. Yes, it is the first impression in almost all cases. So, you are one of 25 <clears throat> different pieces of paper to someone who is reviewing information and resumes for a job. One of 25 pieces of paper. That's really encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> And so how you put together the information on that paper, what that paper looks like, will help determine whether you're one of 25 pieces of paper or whether you're one of three that make their way to the top of the pile. And maybe those three wind up getting an interview. So yeah, that's, that first impression is powerful. Any other things to think about? Why resume is so important? Let's, let's just bullet a couple of these. <clears throat> it is the first impression of you. It may be the only view the employer has of you. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, again, you send a resume. A lot of people don't, employers don't even want them in the mail anymore. They want them sent online as an attachment. <laughs> and we'll probably mention that as we go along. So there, there's no contact that goes along with it. Now there's ways to heighten using your resume. If you can drop off a resume, and a cover letter personally, if they'll allow you to do that, you show your face, and it may only be to the receptionist. But showing your face, coming across in a certain way, the receptionist can even put in a good word for you and say, you know what, that person was really kind. They really came across well. You should really give them a second look. It's amazing what just a tiny bit of personal contact in this day of digitization, what it can do for you. <clears throat> It gives insights into many different aspects of your experience, your character, your work ethic, and more, depending on how you write it. And that's where we're going with this. By the way, I just want to mention quickly, if you've got questions, stop me. And if um, anyone has anything else to interject, including the people who are not students, uh, any extra tips along the way, please feel free to inject them. <clears throat> okay. Let's go to a few scriptures, just to start with, because when we think about resume, writing a resume, telling who we are, we've got to keep some principles in mind. And these are just going to be reminders for you. You can pick 
lines of scripture, but let's just look at a couple of these. And would somebody like to read this one? Jeremiah 9 and verse 5. Go ahead, Francesca. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. So this is a prophecy talking about Israel in the latter days. But what is it saying about the nature of society? People just lie. That's what society is like, and lying becomes part of the character of the end-time Israelite society. And certainly that's something we don't want to be part of. right? Even if people are lying on their resumes, or stretching the truth, just a, a nicer, more politically correct term for lying, it's certainly not something we want to do. Okay, Zechariah 18.16. And who would read that one? shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Yeah, so just principles we want to keep in mind. Truth, justice, peace, we've got to speak truth to our neighbor. And any employer is our neighbor in the, in the context that God uses. <clears throat> we don't need to turn to Exodus 20, 16. John mentioned it a little while ago. That's the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Lying, we, we, we shorten it to lie, but bearing false witness, being a false witness, you can be a false witness of yourself if you don't tell the truth. And so being truthful in a resume is key. Um, 1 Timothy 4.14. <clears throat> Spirit is a gift, don't neglect it. How does that relate to resume writing? Um, we should pray about it as we're coming up with the things that we're doing, and that so we can remember the right things to put down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. <clears throat> when you think about it, ultimately, resume writing, you're, you're putting you're trying to distill who you are and the value of you into a bunch of words on basically one page. How do you do that well? Keeping in mind that we are ambassadors or we're called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, aren't we? So we don't want to lie. But at the same time, we want to represent God's called out one as best we can. We don't want to lie, but we also don't want to not tell the truth enough that we're not being fully open. <clears throat> we can actually undercut ourselves in such a way that we're also not being untruthful. Uh, excuse me, in a way that we are being untruthful. Does that make sense? You don't tell your story in the right way, or, or you're so humble that you don't want to share. You 
you actually can be lying as well. You're not telling the whole truth. So, being prayerful, going to God, using God's Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you is really important in this process. Let's go to one more here. First Peter 5. And Colin, would you go ahead and read that for us, please? First Peter 5, 5. Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing here, and it continues with that concept of humility, is we're talking about balance. As we present ourselves, we've got to find that godly balance. We want to be completely truthful. We don't want to bend the truth or stretch the truth, because then we're we're really moving into the, the lying territory. At the same time, we want to be forthcoming enough to be helpful to our employer and to paint a proper picture of ourselves in a positive way. <clears throat> so, with those things in mind, what we're going to do is I am going to you take one and pass it down. Pass out a handout. This is just an example, sort of generic resume. It might look a little bit like one you've created for yourself. And whoever gets the, the extras, just stick them on the floor by you and grab them on the back. So if you can't see the screen, which many of you may not be able to be, be able to do, um, you've got one, you've got the same thing in front of you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break this down and look at it in detail. This should look somewhat familiar. But what do we need to keep in mind with, the, with resume writing? And um, I'm going to pop up those, that wording on the, on the right-hand column over there. One of the things we want to do is make sure that we list key categories, subheadings on the resume. What subheadings do you see? on that resume in front of you? What are some of those top? Experience, education, activities, and then um, certification systems. Yep. You're going to want to list those or, or have, have, have those key categories, and then you put the more detailed information underneath them. Why do you use subheadings? What does that do for the reader, Kobe? It lets them know what they're reading about and start to end and let you know where the transition point is. Yep. It, okay. uh, it also directs them on where to read. You can use this for trigger words or for anything that will kind of pop out and really grab their attention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thomas? It makes it easier for them to skim productively because a lot of employers don't have time to read a full resume in detail. They're just going to hit like certain plot points and yes. it's easier for them to do that. Yes. All of those points are correct. It makes it just a lot easier. If, if, I'm, um, if I'm scanning resumes to begin with, I've got a job position, I've got 30 people that I'm looking at, and I have minimum criteria, and one of those minimum criteria is a high school diploma. I can very quickly go to the category for education and say, hmm, this person doesn't have a high school diploma. That goes on the non-opportunity stack might go in the trash can, uh, depending on who's doing the review. But that's that's a non-option, because they don't have a high school. 
maybe I want someone who's got CPR certification. Well, I can go straight down there to the skills and the certification section and see if they have it or not. And if not, I might quickly look at their cover letter and if they don't mention it, they're out because the job requires CPR certification. So it can make it really helpful that way. Uh, but it also breaks it into very easily understandable chunks of information that are like each other. If you just have a big long paragraph, it would take so long to go through a resume. So part of it has to be clean and things have to stand out. You have to be very able to clearly follow the resume. If, if your future employer gets frustrated with your formatting, you go to the bottom of the pile. <clears throat> I, had a, I had one job interview a number of years ago and I actually had the person interviewing me when I, when I finally got to the interview. There were 90, over 90 applicants for this faculty position. And there were two of us that were brought in for interviews and he just made the comment, the search committee chair said, your resume was really well done and it stood out. And it was because I had been taught to write a, a resume in academic circles as a curriculum via CV, it's different than this kind of a resume, a little bit more detail. But I had been taught to do it in such a way that it was very straightforward, very easy to use, um, but also very detailed. And in, in education and in certain professions, you use a CV because they want a whole lot more detail on you up front. <clears throat> so, the first thing, uh, key list key categories um, as subheads. Number two here, list things in chronological order. Typically that's how we do it. So the most recent experience, the most recent education, the most recent certification, and then down. <clears throat> Why would that be important? It shows uh, what you're pursuing and accomplishing like in the now and what you did in the past. That shows your, you know, your urge to accomplish things. Yes. Yeah, you know, you might have um, had a lemonade stand when you were 10 <clears throat> to begin to show your entrepreneurial skills. And depending on the job setting you're looking for, actually that could be something you want to put on a resume. In most cases, probably not. But you probably don't want to put that first because that's not as important as the fact that you've run uh, another business for the last 10 years. <clears throat> and we also want to make sure that from chronological, it's, it's most recent to oldest, but make sure you're consistent in each of these subcategories. If one is most recent to oldest and the next one is oldest to most recent, the person reading the resume is going to get confused. And that will be frustrating and we want to avoid frustration when they're looking at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 resumes or even 10. <clears throat> okay, another key, keep it brief. Uh, when you use descriptions, and you do see descriptions um, on this particular resume, um, those descriptions are the bulleted pieces underneath. <clears throat> Use short descriptions when necessary. You don't want to have this big, long, flowy, uh, colorful, well-crafted paragraph under your experience. The bulleted things are important, and again, Brevity is, is important. 
a person reviewing resumes doesn't want to take a whole lot of time. If something catches their eye, they may make a note of that and save it for the interview and say, I want to find out more about this. You don't have to go into tons of detail on the resume itself. <clears throat> Depending on you in the job situation, you may consider adding a couple other categories or a category or two more. Normally a resume is how long? John? One page. One page. And you can't use six-point font to get to that. It's one page, it's readable, and so you have to distill your experiences down. For those of you who are younger, you're going to have fewer experiences. You'll find as you get older, you have a really hard time putting your experiences on one page. By the way, some, um, some job areas will allow a two-page resume or even a three-page resume. You have to know the field. And doing your homework there is helpful. Most wanted in one. <clears throat> but um, back to my point here. You, you could consider some other categories. It depends on the job description. We'll come back to that. But something like leadership, leadership opportunities, um, something related to technology, perhaps, although some people put that under skills. <clears throat> uh, certifications is a section. If the if you have a lot of certifications, but if the career area requires certifications, you want a separate section for that. Depending on the kind of job um, and your experience, languages, international travel, you could actually uh, put a slash in that category. Let's them know, okay, I'm multilingual or bilingual, and don't put that down unless you're fluent. <coughs> If you speak some broken Spanish like I do, don't put down that you speak Spanish. Because you're giving the implication to the resume reader that you can be in a bilingual setting. And so they can throw you in as a translator if necessary. And uh, that won't work for me. I can get to the bathroom and to the airport and get to a restaurant and to a hotel and some things like that. But there's no way I'm going to be translating, at least not anymore. So be careful with those, but sometimes letting people know about travel and language skills is important. Why would travel skills potentially, or travel experiences, be important? If you're in an industry that works heavily with different cultures, for example, um, China or different countries like that, it's important that you have experience with those cultures or even places. Yeah, that's where some of these areas on your resume can give insight in your character and your perspectives. Um, you can't say a lot. You might say, well, I've traveled to these five countries over the years. But what that says is, number one, you're comfortable with travel because you've done it repeatedly. Number two, you've been in these five countries and they're very different cultures. So you've learned to appreciate, at least to some extent, people from those cultures that can interact with them in a more effective way. <clears throat> so those are some different um, things to think about. Depending on if you're running it, if you need more add, you need more content on your resume, adding something like values could be a, um, a subcategory or category that you could use. And for us, I think some of the values that we would list 
There are things that are less common today in the workforce and things that are looked for because employers don't see these things enough. And if we are living by God's way of life, we're going to have, what are some of the Christian values that employers would be looking for? John? Honesty. Honesty. What else? Andy? Well, I mean, you got to be, like, dedicated, dedicated worker, hard okay. worker. Mm -hmm. Hard work, dedication. What else? don't want to hire you and then have you leave two weeks later or a month later because you got a better job offer. They want you to stick around. They're investing in you through training you. It actually is a costly process. You can break it down into dollars and cents and they don't want to train you and then lose you. <clears throat> so the loyalty is important. Colin? Um, just understanding that you like what you're doing so you're going to give them better work. Okay. May relate to dedication, maybe a value of hard work, um, maybe doing things with your might. You, you believe in giving 100%. Kobe? I was going to say perseverance. Okay, well, perseverance is another one. You're going to stick to things. John? You understand the principles of being a profitable servant? Okay. Yeah, you, you believe that by them hiring you, you want to be a valuable servant, so you're going to work hard. You're going to be on time. You're not going to waste time. You have to think about how to word these things, but these are different values that we believe in. It's part of who we are. But frankly, from an employer and hiring perspective, it, it can set you apart from some of those people around you. If you don't have room on the resume to put some of those qualities, if you get to the point in an interview, these are things you bring up as you talk about you. Because these will help distinguish you from others. <coughs> we need to move down through this list a little bit more. We talked about this a little earlier. Use some numbers, use some data when you can, when it's appropriate. Don't make up data. Uh, you don't want to just fill your resume with data because too much of it is all the same thing after a while. But important data points are helpful. Tell your story, don't sell yourself short. Consider how life experiences add to your experience base. International travel, I mentioned. Um, if you have a, an area called leadership or training or um, teaching skills or something like that, many of you guys have been to camp and you've been involved in um, working at camp. If you've, if you've done any work as a counselor at camp. You know, we think about it as summer camp. But those can actually be valuable work experiences that you can use to help tell a story of who you are. Jake? I can go down as volunteer hours too, can't they? Um, yeah, you could, you could list it as volunteer work. Um, in fact, there's probably a lot of things that we do related to church that you can list as volunteer opportunities. You volunteered with your church, you volunteered with the community, you volunteered with serving the elderly in different settings. You have to think about how you can work with those things. Okay. <clears throat> Another tip with putting a resume together is to look at other examples of resumes. Um, other friends, potentially. There's, there are so many resume tips on the web. Just doing a search Finding out how resumes are written for the field that you're looking at. 
is important because different fields will write resumes slightly differently and be looking for some different things. Going? Is there a way for, for example, like towards like if you don't have enough room on the resume to put like towards the end, not coming off like super, like I guess barren yet, or something, uh, to put kind of um, have like a lot will elaborate more like if an interview happens, something like that. Um, probably not necessary because that's sort of understood. <clears throat> that's where, in some cases, a bullet or two with a very brief descriptor could add just a little bit more if if it warrants it and you got the space. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> if you're short on the experience side, which many people are when they first start out in their jobs. Uh, you can list relevant coursework. So if you've taken some college courses or some training courses, if you're short on overall experience, job, paid job experience, um, you can definitely list some coursework that you've taken that relates to the particular job at hand. <clears throat> Another important key here, tweak your resume for different jobs. It's, it's good to have a resume. It's good to have an up-to-date resume. We'll talk more about that. Um, just do... It's helpful to have a, a resume that is ready to go, but make sure you're looking at the job descriptions because it, jobs may be in the same general field, but they may have some specifics they're looking for, and you can always tweak your resume to more specifically reflect the details that they're looking for, as opposed to just having a, a generic resume. <clears throat> okay, so I'm actually gonna give you a handout, remind me to give it to you before the end. I'm gonna go through the points of this handout. It's actually an article that I pulled off the web. So you can write these things down or you can wait. Actually, let me do this. Just give me a second. Take one, pass it down, and if you want, you can even make notes on the article itself. So you sit through some note writing time. But 10 resume writing tips to help you land a job. from Indeed.com, which is a, a, a career website, but I felt like this was probably a pretty straightforward article, very easy to follow, not too long, but some very helpful tips. So let's go down, let's look at these together, if you will. Number one, what are some tips? Look for keywords in the job posting. Look for keywords in the job posting, because those keywords tell you exactly what the employer is looking for. So what we're going to do, if this works, is we're going to go to a real job ad. This is at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. The job is a program coordinator for student involvement. Um, and at some point, 
if you have nothing to do rather than play a video game, I would suggest you jump on the web and look at some job postings just to get familiar with how they're done and what they look for. If you have an idea of a field you might want to go into, do some searching. See what you can come up with. Not that you're going to look for a job right this second, most of you. You've got things ahead of you. But to be familiar with how they're done. Uh, this gives you a title of the job. It gives you a salary range. This doesn't pay great, by the way. Uh, $40,000 to $42,000 is the, looks like, salary range, um, hiring salary range. <clears throat> so not great income. Um, in Charlotte, you would be hard-pressed to live on $40,000 a year if you were single. Okay? By the time they pull taxes out, you tithe, and for a one-bedroom apartment, you pay $1,100. That's without the utilities. It's going to be tough. That's why we have people in the church here who are single with roommates, because rent here is really expensive. Rent in Dallas is going to be different than it is here. It's going to be a lot cheaper if you're renting an apartment. You go to Washington, D.C. or San Francisco, you better be making double this, and you're still going to be pressed to live by yourself as a single. All right, so salary is interesting, but uh, you got to keep the context in mind. All right, I'm going to scroll down here. This work schedule, 8.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday, it's a university job. That's what university jobs are. They typically don't work weekends. This one, potentially, sometimes in the evenings and on the weekends. But there are certain types of jobs, government jobs, for example, that most of the time are Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 kind of jobs. You don't have a Sabbath issue. Okay, primary purpose of the position, here's a bunch of them. The minimum education is graduate from a four-year university and two years of administrative or office experience. But let's go down to the essential job duties, if you can see them. The point that we're just talking about is look for keywords in the job advertisement. So if you can see that, and most of you get young eyes, so you probably can, what are some keywords that jump out here that you might want to think about as you craft your resume? Okay, manage. Okay, yeah, read that, read the line. Uh, manage the student operation newsletter. Or organization newsletter. Yep. So manage is one thing, but probably even more important is newsletter. If you've never managed a newsletter, but maybe in high school you worked on a yearbook committee, or you have put together a newsletter, or helped put together a newsletter with a part-time job that you've been involved with. If you've got experience like that, that's something to pop on a resume, because it directly reflects one of the things you're asked to do. What's another one? Yes, any? Um, ordering. Well, orders, supplies, and equipment, but ship processing and shipping. Yep. So if you've got experience in doing something like that, maybe you've run your own little um, eBay kind of business, or you worked in shipping and receiving back here with Mr. Bonjour, as none of you are doing this semester, but we've had students do in the past. Those types of Things are really important. Yeah, you might have only been a work-study student while you were at Living University and you worked in the mailroom. But guess what? 
you've got an experience doing exactly that, and so you want to highlight that in your resume. Uh, provide mar uh, marketing and promotion of student organization events and resources and programs so mm -hmm. you can do marketing and planning. Yeah, if you've had any marketing experience, you had a, a, a landscaping job that you did. So you, you use lawnmowers and weed whackers and things like that. That might not seem real relevant, but in a bullet underneath it, you might put was involved in marketing and promoting the company. Now all of a sudden you just tied into that job requirement. Yep. Um, customer service. It says provide excellent customer service by assisting users with questions. Okay. Yeah, what would be an example of something you've done that relates to customer service that you could put on your resume here? Uh, if you've been, I mean, anything remotely doing with retail or grocery, you know, even stock, you, you're customer service because you go, you find something, you direct them somewhere, cashier, anything. Yes, and you do that really in any kind of sales job. It could be retail and grocery, it could be retail clothing, it could be Chick-fil-A, mm -hmm. um, where you're running a cash register. It could be a movie theater where you're running a cash register, taking orders for food. Sometimes we diminish what we've done in the past and say, oh, it's just a high school job. But they want somebody who's got customer service experience, and you've had it. Many of you have had it. The answer phones on the front desk out here for an hour a week, like Ashton's done, or an hour a day. You've got customer service experience. And so listing those things, being able to look at the job description and say, okay, do I have any of these skills? And if so, are they highlighted on my resume? <coughs> is really important. Wait. It's like the the, the item listed at the very bottom where it says serve as universe on university committees and represent. Those are probably some of the most important keywords for leadership positions and stuff. It's how, and they're going to be interested in how a person presents themselves mm -hmm. if they're looking for that kind of job experience. Yes. So. so definitely, if you've got some kind of service experience that you've done, some kind of leadership role, committee work, any of those things can be helpful. That gives you an idea there. Let's go back to the presentation and look at another one. First one, look for keywords in the job posting. Another one, review resume examples from your industry. I certainly mentioned this in the past. But if your resume looks nothing like what it needs to, now it might get attention. If you get a really intrigued person, they might take a look at it. But if it, if it looks just really strange, if they're looking for a a resume, a black and white resume, literally black ink on white paper, and yours is on purple paper, and it's got flowers, and yeah, that RC resume may not work for a business setting. But a business resume that looks boring may not work for a more RC position where they want a creative person. So knowing how the field is looking at things is important. Um, pick the right font. A 10 to 12 point font is important. It needs to be Easily readable to someone. They shouldn't have to go look for a magnifying glass to read it. Um, also, Arial Times Roman, a standard kind of font. Not the really pretty script stuff, unless your field would call for it. Also, be aware. You can reduce Arial and Times Roman to 10. The Arial is much, much easier to read than the Times Roman. Because the Times Roman has the serifs and the, the twists and the turns, and it, it looks a lot smaller. 
So knowing your fonts, you can get away with smaller font size, but easier to read if you know what you're doing. And we do that in the magazine as well. Number four, include only the most relevant information, but the most important recent information first. We talked about that. If it has nothing to do with the situation, it's not something that we did for 10 years, probably don't include it. Um, <clears throat> if you're looking for a job as a marketing person and you were a pet groomer for 10 years, and you put it in there, even though it doesn't relate, if there's a 10-year gap in your resume, someone's going to say, what did you do? for that 10-year period of time. Why aren't you telling me what happened during these 10 years? Use active language, active verbs, if at all possible, instead of passive voice. That depends on the field, but usually that's a good thing to do. Let's look at a few more. Call attention to your important achievements. And again, that's where the subheadings are. If you're going to list um, if you're going to list achievements, probably chronological order, but you could actually embolden something that specifically relates. You could use things like italics or emboldening to bring something to the fore, as long as you don't use them, overuse them. Only include subheadings you need. If the subheading doesn't work for you, if it doesn't, if you don't need it, don't put it there. Even though it might be on that example that I gave you. Another technicality, use appropriate margins. Um, if you don't have a lot of information, don't use two-inch margins around the outside. Push everything to the middle, it's too much white space. People are going to be like, what's going on here? Um, don't use spacing that's, you know, four lines between lines. But also, don't push your margins out to a 0.3 of an inch on the outside either. It's too much information on the page. So you need to be balanced. This is key. I probably should have highlighted this one in red. Proofread and edit. To get a resume with typos on it, tell us about you. What might it tell the person who's reading the resume if they get a resume with typos? <laughs> Lack of attention to detail. This person doesn't pay attention to detail. They missed it. And if it's a detail-oriented job, you need to go to the bottom of the file really quick. Uh, care, carelessness, shining not putting forth 100%. Yep. It might also mean you can't spell. <laughs> or you can't use, you don't know how to use spell checker in the document uh, software that you're using. Decide on unique resume for different jobs. We've talked about that. I'm, I've added two to this list. Um, keep it current. You don't want a two-year-old resume that you're sending out for a job because the most recent date is going to be two years old. They're going to get this resume and they're going to say, what have you done for the last two years? And if they don't know, they'll probably put it to the bottom of the pile. If they know you, they'll call you and say, what did you do for the last two years? Why isn't it on the resume? So keep it current. Uh, a lot of people recommend every six months updating your resume, adding little pieces here and there. Because in a six-month period of time, you'll have a significant amount of experiences. You may have some new ones. <clears throat> for a job that you're in, uh, when you're listing how long you've worked there, you might say, 
I don't know, 2018 to the present, if you're currently working there, as opposed to 2018 to 2019. Um, what else with keeping it current? I guess just a comment. I keep my resume current. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I keep a CV, and so it requires a lot of detail. And I found that if I don't update it every six months, I forget what I've done. And I'll actually miss what I've done. <clears throat> I also work for a nonprofit organization that is dependent on donations. Uh, I work for a company that my dad's been let go of four times in the past. And so it just makes me a little leery. And so I, I keep my resume up to date. Uh, but it's something you're going to want to do. Uh, we've, we've, um, when we were going to uh, going for licensure for the state of North Carolina with Living University, we had to turn in resumes of all of our um, faculty members. And some of our faculty members didn't have resumes because they worked for the church for a long, 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 long time. And they didn't need them. So we actually had to retroactively go back and create resumes for them, which was doable, but it was a really time-consuming process as well. So you never know when you're going to need a resume. So it's probably a good idea to keep the resume that you've got, but continue to revise it and update it as you learn more and as you experience more. And I did mention this earlier. Personally, deliver a resume when you can. It just helps you stand out from the crowd. Comments, questions? Yes, should we mention, um, we should probably should, but should we mention um, that we're a Sabbath keeper and how should we do that? Mm, really good question. Really good question. What do you think, Cody? So I know um, like for certain jobs, there's certain hours you can put um, time blocks. Like for example, um, mine I put Monday through Friday, uh, no, Monday through Thursday to the whatever, so time, and I put Saturday off so that way like if they ask if you can them or there's a block in the week you can put um, I don't work this day or this day for religious reasons. Okay, that's a thought. Other thoughts? Yeah, Jessica. Generally that isn't something that comes up until the interview process. Um, if you put it on a resume, I don't and you may have a harder time even being seen by the person, but once you are met, once you meet with them, they might really like you and decide that you're worth the trouble, so to speak. So I, I don't know if it, you put that on your resume. Good point. Yeah, I would <laughs> recommend against putting it on a resume, even though we want to be forthcoming. Um, the way people will read that is different. You might be forthcoming, but they may read you as a religious zealot who's going to make everybody keep the Sabbath. <laughs> and I'm serious about that. And so you don't want to put a stumbling block by being so forthcoming that you share everything. Um, I mean, there are other things about your life that you just wouldn't share on a resume that are part of who you are, but it's not helpful. You have to think about a resume as telling who you are, but also putting your best foot forward. And if they have real interests, then they can dig in. I was going to say, it's not a place to put, this is absolutely what I'm not going to do for you. Right. <laughs> because as soon as they see that, it's, you said people take things differently. All they say is, this person's resume says nothing about this. This person's resume has already put a restriction on what they're going to do. Yeah. So. You don't want to put something on a resume that's going to be a red flag at the start. Because if they see that, 
they're liable to draw their own conclusions and say, well, this person doesn't have that, I'm going to put you down. Um, I had an advisor one time that gave me really smart advice, I think. He was a, he was a good man. I don't know if he was Christian or not, but he was a moral person. And when I was interviewing for faculty positions, I actually asked him about the Feast of Tabernacles. Sabbath, I knew, wouldn't be an issue. And by the way, don't apply for a job that requires you to work on the Sabbath. And it says it in the writing. Because you know you're going to have a problem. Unless you call ahead and say, listen, I'm really interested in this. How fast is the, how hard and fast is the Saturday work thing? I could work on Sunday. Is it worth me putting in a resume anyway? And they'll let you know. But my, my advisor said, with the feast, he said, Scott, don't bring it up unless you get to the point of an interview. And even then, don't bring it up unless they want to hire you. And I said, why? And he said, because you don't want to put a stumbling block before you. If, if they interview you, they're interested. If they want to hire you, they're really interested. And then if, the, if you perceive the Sabbath, or in this case, feast could be an issue, if they give you a job offer, don't accept it. Because if you accept it and then say, oh, by the way, I've got this issue, then you're really withholding. But he said, if they offer you the job, say, you know, I'm really interested, but I think you need to know this first. It lets them totally invest with an unbiased way. And if they really want you, Sabbath is not going to be an issue. Make sense? Anything else to add? Just some things to think about. Yes, we want to be open, we want to be honest, but we also don't want to put a stumbling block before a potential employer, uh, before it needs to be put there. Wait. That, that advice, and taking that advice is your opportunity, one more thing is just to put it in God's hands. Yep. Pray about it. Ask God to open the door if it's His will, or close it tight, tightly, if it's not His will. Okay. I'm not going to go through cover letters. Cover letter typically goes along with the resume. It lets you personalize information. It doesn't repeat what's in the resume, but there's a ton of online information. Uh, Thebalancecareers.com has a, a lot of really helpful information and even templates for writing cover letters and resumes. So just one source that's out there, although there are many. Lots of templates out there. Okay, quick conclusions and let's wind down. Resume and cover letter, they are standard first impressions. So they are important. Don't underestimate the importance of a resume, of a well-written, well-crafted, maybe specifically crafted resume. Learn how to do those. Keep them up to date. And get feedback on them. Remember, honesty is key. <clears throat> but again, we've got to be careful how much information we share too, or we, we could shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, I mean, you could list, I keep the Sabbath, and I keep the holy days, and so typically I'm going to need about nine days off out of the year, ten days off to keep the holy days, and um, you could go on and on with our beliefs. They, they don't need to know those things right away. It depends on their level of interest. And then if they're sincerely interested, we begin to share, okay, these are some things you need to be aware of. <clears throat> Remember, too much humility can also be dishonest. So we, we need to be able to tell our story. Sometimes we need to sit down with someone else who knows us, and who also may have a bit of background in writing resumes and say, okay, look at this, what am I missing? And they may say, no, 
you've lived in two countries. You understand multiple cultures. Why is that not on this resume? Um, your address is South Carolina. I would have no idea you're from South Africa. And so sometimes having a, a third party look at it, they can say, okay, you're missing these things. You've been to camp four times, and you've been a camp counselor with preteens and with teenagers. This is valuable experience. Why isn't it on here? Develop a very strong resume. Keep it current. Something very important. And just because you're keeping it current doesn't mean you're looking for a job. Keeping it current is keeping things up to date. It's sort of like wearing a seatbelt. Occasionally have others look over your resume to give you recommendations. Someone who works in HR, what's HR? Human resources. Human resources, it's the, really the hiring and um, personnel management side of companies, if they're bigger companies. They have HR people. They look at resumes all the time, and they will be able to tell you what are some of the best things to do. Talk to some experts in the field. Look online examples for the field. Tell the story of you that a particular company is going to want to hear. A resume is a tool to help do that. And certainly, as we talked about earlier, pray for God to guide you. Any final comments or questions? Resume writing is not rocket science. But there is a skill to it. And it can be done well, or it can be done average. And average resumes usually don't get a second door. You want to do things well. So I encourage you to keep working on that. Build the skill of writing a good resume. And it will open, with God's blessing, it will open doors for you in the future. Right. I'm done. Sweet there. That's it. You're all dismissed.